The Houston Astros have officially hired their new manager. Now, show me a lineup card so I can complain about it. Welcome into a special bonus episode of Stone Cold Strohs. I'm Brandon Strange. I'm joined by Charlotte Palillo and Josh Jordan. Follow them on X at Palillo and at Josh Jordan 975. Just a reminder, the three of us host a Texas podcast called Texans on Tap. You can find that on Sports Map Texans on YouTube or on Texans on Tap at your favorite podcast app. Gentles, get right into it. Dana Brown and the Astros announced Joe Espada as a successor to Dusty Baker as manager. And before we get into what your thoughts are on the hire itself, I just wanted to point out something. No Jim Crane, no Jeff Bagwell at this presser. Dana opens by thanking Jim Crane for his support as he updated him through this process. To me, that seemed purposeful. And seems to fly in the face of Brian McTaggart's initial reporting. Was Dana Brown setting the record straight as to who made the decision here? Well, at least uh, at minimum, the presentation making it clear uh, how the hiring process uh, was handled. Uh, Jim Crane's a busy man, and billionaires can flit around the world at their at their whim. Maybe he had uh, a golf date, uh, but that Dana was the only other Astros representative on stage with Joe Espada. I don't recall that happening with any other managerial hire through the years. Um, So if it was uh, erroneous connecting of dots, suggesting that Jeff Bagwell would be integrally involved as Jim Crane's, if not right-hand man, at least firmly in one of Jim Crane's ears, if Dana Brown had the other, uh, I think absolutely. They they wanted this to be Dana Brown's show to run, uh, whether that was in part expediency. Okay. Uh, it played that way. I will say it was odd, and I thought it was a bad look in the end, immaterial. But when Dana Brown, at the tail end of the general manager's meetings, talked about how, well, the Astros were in charge here because they didn't have to give permission to Joe Espada to interview with other ball clubs, when Joe Espada's contract had expired and he was a free agent and could have talked and signed on with anyone who he darn well pleased. Uh, so I'll now look at that as just sort of an oops uh, moment for Dana Brown. And uh, it's an earned promotion from within. So congrats to Joe Espada one and maybe Yiner Diaz two. <laughs> yeah. I think with what Charlie's referencing there, I, I think Dana just kind of let the cat out of the bag. He knew that they were going to hire Joe Espada. So his contract being up was just kind of irrelevant. I I think he just kind of misspoke a little bit there. I I think that that was really the case. And watching the press conference, what makes me so excited about it is how excited Dana Brown seems about Joe Espada. So that might be part of it too. They Astros, I'm sure, heard some criticism. Like, why hire Dana Brown if you're not going to have him lead the charge to hire your new manager? Astros fans don't want to hear about the Bagwell stuff. So it's just kind of smart on their part. Let you know, this is the organization that was smart to go hire Dusty Baker after the scandal. I think this is smart. Just kind of the presentation lets you know it looks like Dana is calling the shots here. But also Jim Crane, you know, maybe maybe he's not up there because Joe Espada wasn't the first choice of his. So he's like, I'm going to let Dana go up there. He made the call. He can sit with him. If it works out great, Dana will get the credit. If it doesn't work out, well, I didn't exactly lead the charge for Joe Espada, but mostly I do think it is just visually making it look like Dana's in charge. Jeff Bagwell, Jim Crane have kind of backed off and are letting him do his job. 
in discussing or analyzing the remarks at a press conference, sometimes it can be easily done to overread into things. But I did find it interesting that Dana Brown, while on one hand, he said pretty much everything that any general manager would say about any manager hired or head coach in another sport, but that he talked about alignment and compatibility and being on the same page that clearly it wasn't anything that was sinking the ship, but there was some disjunctiveness between Brown and Dusty Baker. And that Dana Brown has had the better part of a year to get to know Joe Espada. You know, whether there's a little bit of a generational thing, Dusty set in his ways, a guy in his mid-70s, Joe Espada's 48, Dana Brown's in his mid-50s. Um, so it would seem to be a good hand-in-glove fit as long as they keep on winning. Yeah, I think Dana's comment, too, just saying, you know, thanks for letting me lead the charge. I mean, that says it all right there with Dana and letting him have his pick of who he wants to manage the ball club. And the one interesting thing that that I found from the press conference was he said that, you know, he would talk with Joe Espada over the course of this past year from time to time and kind of shoot him some questions. He wanted to get a feel for, for if Joe Espada had a feel for his players in the locker room. And he said, I thought it was funny. He said, yeah, basically I was interviewing Joe before he knew he was being interviewed. So that's pretty smart on, on Dana. And that's probably why he he wanted this hire so much because he had a good feel for his spot. He'd been talking to him and felt like he was kind of interviewing him without interviewing him. And he, he liked what he was hearing and he wanted to go get this guy. And we all saw the the Nightingale report that that's who Dana Brown wanted. Well, that kind of came to fruition. That, that, that looks like that was true. But it also said Crane was kind of thinking, well, maybe I'd rather go get a bigger name. And we've seen before, Jim Crane does usually go outside the organization for these things. That's where they got Dana Brown. That's where they got Dusty. But this time, they're going to go in-house. And I think it's a good hire. And it would not have been unnatural for Dana Brown to lean towards someone that he had a past working relationship you know, multiple Atlanta names, Walt Weiss, uh, Ron Washington has even been mentioned in a couple of places before. Good luck, Ron. Uh, he gets the Angels job. Um, so the Dana Brown ultimately opts for, or at least goes along with the promotion from within, as opposed to, well, I need to put my stamp on the organization and bring in one of my guys from the past. Uh, you boil it all down, though, and, and Joe Espada served his apprenticeship under two very successful managers here and has baseball pedigree before that. If not Joe Espada now, when? So a good day for him. And the Astros are not in a spot where they needed, you know, the word that's overtaken these things, culture, culture. Uh, they didn't need a culture shift, right? It's different going from the assistant's chair to the head chair, but that Espada has cred and familiarity within the clubhouse, where the Astros are not going to be in a roster overhaul mode uh, this year. It's just keep the ship sailing straight with some tweaking here and tweaking there. And over time, we'll see if Espada has some managerial philosophical differences from Dusty Baker. But even in that area, baseball manager is different than football coach or basketball coach, right? Joe Espada isn't going to be changing the Texans from a 3-4 defense to a 4-3 defense. Or in college, we're going to run the spread now as opposed to a pro set or an I-formation offense. Right. In basketball, uh, we're going to a pick and roll driven offense as opposed to a motion offense. We're going to defend the pick and rolls differently. Right. Strategically, there's not that much for Joe Espada to do. Right. There, any manager that came in, you're not looking for a, a radical shift. So I think by that specific criterion, Espada made more sense 
than anyone else they could have hired. And then you go with all the personal references within the organization and the resume. Having done everything but manage at the big league level, you'll have staff continuity. Bring on spring training. I like the idea of Dana, uh, you know, how he was sharing his interactions with Espada during the season. I bet half of those conversations were, hey, Joe, don't you think Yiner should be playing? But Josh, you've talked about how, you know, on this podcast, you talked about how Jim Crane hasn't traditionally promoted from within. But this offseason, we've seen eight front office promotions and now Joe Espada being promoted from a bench coach to manager. So maybe that's Dana Brown putting his fingerprint on this organization or at least recognizing that the tradition of winning within this organization and understanding that, as Charlie said, there's not a need for a gigantic drastic overhaul in either the decision making or in the culture. Let's let's talk about a little bit of that culture and decision making because the criticisms of Dusty Baker were prevalent. Uh, it is part of the high price of expectations. And one of the things we know was that Dusty Baker was a player's coach. He had a great relationship with his players, uh, brought them banana pudding from time to time, as we heard. He also had a level of gravitas because he comes in as a Hall of Famer. I do wonder how the dynamics change a little bit with this new skipper calling the shots. Does this really change... I guess, given how much of veteran leadership already exists within that locker room? Yeah, which makes me think of uh, another point. There are lines that need to be drawn between labor and management at times, but it's about the players and their performance foremost. So uh, if I were Dana Brown or if I were Jim Crane, I would have had Dana Brown. Ask Altuve, ask Bregman. You want to throw in Kyle Tucker. Uh, Justin Verlander over a, a couple of different stints. You know, any, whoa, warning flag that you think about Joe Espada because we want him to be the guy. And I don't think there would have been any, but your most vital players, um, to solicit their input at least, would have made sense. Uh, I think unless Espada does some very bizarre tactical stuff early he has in-house credibility from being here that hiring someone without managerial experience from elsewhere would not have had. Um, when Bo Porter got the job, I mean, Jeff Luno's first managerial hire and Jeff Luno screwed that up royally. Uh, now, Bo Porter had a garbage roster, so you could have hired a, a baseball wizard and he wasn't going to uh, spin that straw into gold. Uh, but Bo Porter did a couple of things pretty early on, not knowing actually when he could make a pitching change. Uh, when a pinch hitter had been announced uh, by the opposition uh, that I would think within the clubhouse are just crushers early. And if you're not winning, that kind of stuff can be tough to overcome. Uh, so whoever Espada settles upon as his bench coach, whether that's from within or he brings in someone from his baseball past, uh, I just don't think that unless something, what the hell is he doing, arises. And I don't think batting Yiner eighth as opposed to fifth or not playing Chaz 90% of the time as opposed to 75% of the time rises to that level. Um, I think it'll be a very seamless transition. And I don't know within the clubhouse because I don't have these conversations with players, but I'm sure to use the same names, Altuve, Bregman, Tucker, others had to have moments with think, what is Dusty doing strategically? And how come Yiner's not playing again? Um, whereas Espada maybe can right a couple of those wrongs early on, if you will. Obviously, Yana's going to be the primary catcher, whether Maldonado's back as the backup or or moves on. Uh, so I think they're just very well positioned with this transition. 
I think Dana Brown wouldn't have hired him if they didn't see eye to eye on that kind of stuff on who should be catching and and how the lineup should be constructed. I, obviously, Dana Brown liked what he heard from him. So hopefully there's a little more harmony with front office working with the manager. You know, analytics is always the big thing we, you know, we talk about, but it is important, especially in the Astros past. We'd like to see that continue. I I talked about on another video how the Texas Rangers spent more money on analytics than the entire NFC South division uh, this year. That's how much the Rangers are spending more than entire divisions in football. So analytics are important because they just won with it. I'd like to see them keep going that route. And I have to think geography has something to do with this. Look at what, you know, what the Rockets new hire of their coach. Look at what D'Amico Ryans is doing for the Texans. You know, Espada here, he's he's 48 years old. That's a lot younger than Dusty Baker. So I think it's, you know, maybe they're kind of looking around and seeing like, hey, look what Look what these young coaches are doing with with these teams that have that have been awful. Imagine this already great Astros team. We give it to a young guy in Espada who's pretty familiar with the team. Maybe this could really work well for us, and I hope it does. So to me, it makes a lot of sense. Joe Espada is worthy. He is familiar. He is qualified up until the point of actually getting the job. And we can also throw in, if you wanted a kicker or a clincher, he's economical. Right? The Astros may have wanted their name linked to Craig Council. Craig Council is a fabulous manager by every account. Come on, like the Astros would ever have considered, and I'm not condemning them for the, in the least, $8 million per year for a manager. If a spotter gets one quarter of that, well, there's zero chance Craig Council is going to have four times more impact with the Cubs then Espada will with the Astros. So I just think he checked every box as a as a logical hire for the Astros at this time. I don't want to belabor the point too much, but he does replace Dusty Baker. And Dusty Baker on his way out made some comments. And he's made some comments in recent weeks, kind of expounded on that, on bloggers and tweeters that questioned his decision-making. We also saw him take subtle swipes at uh, beat writer Chandler Rome during the season. Do you expect a different relationship between Joe Espada and local media? You know, I have no idea whether Joe Espada spends any time checking out X or anywhere else, much less just the basic columns and verbiage uh, thrown about. And Stone Cold Strohs, right? Yeah. Um, But if I were to hazard a guess, he's younger and hipper, uh, dusty, worldly and eclectic and a fascinating person of varied interests. Uh, awareness of social media, other than in the most general senses, I doubt was was one of them. Uh, Joe Espada's kids relative to Dusty Baker's kids. Uh, I'm sure as a parent, he has a lot more feel for what goes on, uh, including all the garbage that can be out there. And that, uh, you know, any actual fan or know nothing, in addition to media commentators, anyone can get an opinion out there in a heartbeat these days. Um, so I would think that Joe Espada, the Astros get off to a bumpy start. He shouldn't be immune to criticism, whether he's especially thin skinned to it. We just don't know enough about his personality as a manager because he hasn't been a manager yet. Uh, but I'd be surprised if he's overwhelmed or is chafing immediately. If every word that he says isn't taken as gospel, every move that he makes is heralded as the right one. And I think it's the age part of that quote from Dusty, but 30 year olds on doing blogs and, and tweets. I thought Ken Hoffman wrote a great, great piece on Sports Map last week talking about kind of the 
the ageism with, with Dusty's take on that. And, and Ken pointed out Theo Epstein, 29, when he was the GM of the Red Sox. Andrew Friedman, he was 28 when he was named president of baseball operations and GM of the Rays. So there's a lot of people in baseball that are in their 30s that are doing incredible work. And, and the thought that, you know, I know he's kind of talking more about reporters, but the thought that you're just going to discredit somebody because they're in their 30s or 40s, it's ridiculous. And I'm not surprised that the Astros are going this route and hiring somebody in their 40s. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. We'll leave it there. That's it for this bonus episode of Stone Cold Shows. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. Charlie, Josh, and I will catch you on the next episode, whenever that is. Probably some free agent talk. But you don't have to wait that long to get your Houston sports fix. All you have to do is subscribe to Sports Map Houston on YouTube. In addition to us, you'll get John Granado, Lance Zerline. Uh, they will have you covered there. And then Sports Map Texans on YouTube. Charlie, Josh, and I host a weekly Texans podcast. So go check that out. Thanks to Jack Brame for producing and thanks to everyone for listening. And until next time, Ghost Rose.